0: all right, you want to check that music out? I always give good advice on music. That's Mac Powell, former lead singer of Third Day. The guys are still together, but they're not touring anymore. So, Mac Powell doing some solo stuff. That's his solo Christian album right there. Mac Powell, check him out. That song is called The River. Um, it is really cool. And uh, if you want to check out some great music, um, I've been talking about the real disasters at the southern border. We continue with the politics. Now, we know that the governor is sending $95 million more. We're Earth of shipping containers. They're going to do this in one of the national forests. The federal government is saying we didn't give permission for this. So there's the political argument. That is not what I want to talk about. I have been alluding to this. I've been giving examples of this. And now they're finally writing stories about this. Here's the headline. And every one of us, every one of us should be ashamed of this headline. This headline. Multiple women rescued from human trafficking scheme after, pay, after paying to cross the southern border into the U.S. Two were arrested. Two people were arrested in Tampa, Florida, in connection with a human trafficking case that began in Cuba, according to authorities. Um, these two people were arrested on multiple charges, including human trafficking and false imprisonment. Multiple women between the ages of 18 and 24 were forced into stripping and prostitution. The women had been held in two small rooms and were only allowed to out to perform sex work. They were rescued by deputies at a mall in Tampa. They were forced to work in various adult entertainment clubs in Hillsborough and Pinellas counties and never allowed to leave home without an escort. This is part of our border problem. Now, you're going to say that's Cuba and it's Florida. That's the boat. That's not the southern border. And that's not true. That isn't true. This is the norm. People are spending money. They don't have to come here. Why do you think people are being held in, in drop houses? Why do you think we see that disgusting crime of people kept in drop houses? They're being held captive. And what people are being told is you owe us more money. And if you don't go into the drug trafficking trade with us, if you don't mule our drugs across the border, if you don't help us, we are going to kill you. And you may escape us. You might escape. And if you escape and you go to the police, we're going to kill every one of your family members and friends in your hometown wherever you came from. And that's what they're told once they cross the border. And the men get forced into the gangs, into the cartels as workers to repay their debt. Because they owe more money for being snuck into the country. Women get forced into the sex trade. In this case, they're adults, 18 to 24. Still young, but adults, officially adults. What about the ones that are kids? Those aren't prostitutes. Those are rape victims. And I would say these women are victims as well. But there's a difference between adults and children. I bring this up because we are months away from major great events in Arizona, Chamber of Commerce events like we always have, Waste Management Phoenix Open. I have to say that is my favorite event and the Super Bowl. And the reason why I say the Waste Management Phoenix Open is because it's an Arizona event. And all of the money and all of the great things that the Thunderbirds do with that event – For charitable organizations, for nonprofits across the state of Arizona, especially Special Olympics and the the great things they do with that money. I love that event. But everything has a downside, not their connection, nothing to do with them. But when you have wealthy people coming into a major event like this, you have human trafficking. They train staff now. At least they're trying to make staff aware at the big casino resorts, Talking Stick and others, uh, hotels. Um, They are all starting to be trained to notice signs of human trafficking and to report it. But a lot of this is happening because of the crisis at the southern border. They are being trapped into this. People are giving money to the cartels to be brought into, to be trafficked into the U.S. illegally. And then once they get here... What they are finding out is that their debt isn't paid, and they're being told, you are you are ours. You are now a slave for us. You are going to work in a massage parlor. You're going to work in a strip club. You're going to be a prostitute. You're going to do what we say until we say your debt has been repaid. And if you try to escape, we're going to kill you. And if we don't kill you, if you do escape and you go to the police, we're going to kill everybody you know. This is the disaster at the southern border. This is the underbelly that every one of us, Republican, Democrat, independent, uh, libertarian, Green Party, every single one of us should want to stop what's happening at the border because of what the cartels are doing with human beings. I, I, it, is, it is the most disappointing, saddening, maddening thing when you now you 're starting to see the national stories, and now it 's going to I hope this is something they dive into and they get deeper. The cartels are making money hand over fist at the expense of human beings, and our federal government is doing nothing to slow it down, nothing to stop it we 're arguing about the Venezuelans and how we stop them from coming we are arguing about people the um, The White House press secretary was just talking the other day about the border and saying that, you know, this is because there's financial collapse in all of these other countries. There's so much that can be done with that part of it. You know, that's the part that's frustrating. That's the that's the headline. And what's frustrating is people coming here for a better life. They're escaping the horrible circumstances in their home countries. Well, the fact of the matter is, if this government would get its act together, if the if the federal government, the Congress would get together with a piece of legislation that secured the border, but at the same time created a guest worker program, a visa program that we could be proud of, where people that want to come here and have a better life don't have to pretend like they're seeking asylum and come here for the wrong reasons. They can apply for a work permit. Then it solves a couple of problems. It helps solve our problem of needing a workforce with all the jobs that are available and the able-bodied Americans that aren't doing those jobs. We could fill those jobs with people that are literally starving for a better life. It would also solve some of the economic problems in their own country where they're talking about the economic collapse because they can now send money back to support their families in these countries with economic collapse. And third and not not least in importance is the relief it would give to the agents on the southern border because now they're not processing fake asylum claims anymore. They can focus more on the criminal element at the border, whether it's ports of entry or holes in structures. And they can stop some of those drug mules and they can get some of these people help and get them out of the revolving door of what the cartels are doing. This is an unmitigated disaster. And I'm glad these stories are starting to come out. And it's sad that they're happening at all. But we've got to start making people aware of it because people aren't. We argue politics. We argue are they being used as pawns and all of these. Why don't we talk about the disgusting part of this and say at a very minimum, we've got to stop what's happening at the border to save them. Somebody's sister, somebody's daughter. It's it's shameful. Absolutely shameful. Coming up in just a moment, uh, Arizona students' reading scores stay steady since 2019. That's decent news. Math scores are down. What do we do to get to the next level? All that's coming up in just a couple of moments. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Arizona student reading score is steady since 2019. Um, I want you to hear a little bit about education. Um, uh, first, we're going to start with the White House Press Secretary. This is her talking about the American Rescue Plan and what it did for schools. Democrats voted for none of no congressional Republicans voted for that piece of legislation, which was critical to getting our economy back up, including opening up schools. So, so there's the politics of all this. And I'm sorry to say, it, but that's part of the politics of all of this, um, because we understand or at least I understand, because I saw a lot of this. The um, There are two major teachers unions in the country, the NEA, the National Educators Association, and the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers. They are huge organizations, and they have a big pull within the Democratic Party because they give so much money. So to be fair, when you talk about what happens on the right side of the aisle, and everybody hates lobbyists when it's on the opposite side of things, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, is a major lobbying organization that I happen to be a member of um, because they lobby for the Second Amendment. And they pour a lot of money into campaigns. They absolutely do. But there are two sides to these coins. And you've got to be able to be honest about both sides because power and money breed influence. There's no doubt about that. And so when you look at the other side of the coin with these teachers unions, they give huge – and I would say I think the number is 90 percent. Don't hold me to that. It's around 90 percent of the donations that go from AFT and NEA go to Democrat candidates across this country. And it's millions and millions and millions of of dollars, So there is power and influence. They were behind the school shutdowns. They were helping to write the pieces of or the rules on school shutdowns. There's no doubt that that happened with the Biden administration. Again, fact check me on these things. So were they doing what was it and trying to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Were they doing what they thought was in the best interest of students when this first happened? Absolutely. Nobody knew we overreacted. Like everybody overreacts in a crisis. I've talked about the AIDS epidemic and HIV when HIV became a big issue in this world, but especially here in the United States, we overreacted out of necessity. They knew it was a bodily fluid, bloodborne illness virus. And so you had uh, police officers and and responding in full, uh, you know, like uh, hazmat suits at crime scenes. And There were a whole new protocol on how you clean blood from a crime scene and all these other things, how you handled an accident if you were a first responder until they began to re- to understand how this disease, how this virus was truly spread. Same thing happened. But once you get new information, they keep saying, follow the science, follow the science. And everybody kept screaming, hey, shutting these schools down is going to be more detrimental than it is helpful to these children. And they kept the schools closed and they kept the schools closed. So to be fair, you've got to be fair. You're going to talk about she and if she's going to politicize, if she's going to say, hey, no Republican voted for this. And it's what helped open the schools again. In They got shut down for as long as they've been shut down because of the policies of the same White House, which were influenced by the teachers unions. Those those, everything I just said is factual. What are we going to do about education? So, um, this is uh, uh, Lynette Groves from the Mathnasium owner in Tucson was talking about math scores. Pre-pandemic, um, when we were testing kids, we were finding out that they were about a year behind, typically. Now that we're testing kids this, this school year, we're finding that they're at least two years behind. So, that is an amazing number. And there's more out of Tucson, this also from K Gun on the test scores in Arizona. Standardized math scores declined in 42 out of 50 states for 4th graders. For 8th graders, it declined in every state except for Utah. Arizona declining for both grades. So now let's take the politics out of this of who's to blame for this and who's to blame for that. And let's talk about what we do now that we know that this decline in education has happened, that we see a crisis. What do you do when there's a crisis? You make sure you focus and we have to focus. We have got to get rid of curriculum in schools that are not focused on math and reading and the basics, the core education. What is so interesting is if you now hear about kids going to, have you guys heard of traditional schools? What's a traditional school? A traditional school goes back to the basic core curriculum and they don't deal with some of the new popular, the new math and some of the new stuff that's out there. And there are many parents that are favoring this because core curriculum says we're going to make sure they can read. We're going to make sure they can write and perform math skills. They're going to learn some science and social studies and history. And we're going to stay away from some of the other stuff that's a little more controversial that other school districts may think is necessary. But we're going to stick to the basics. And that seems to be the direction we ought to be going. If you believe there's not enough money in schools, then we have to do a better job of prioritizing how we spend the money. And if we got test scores that are low, what are we doing to get those test scores up? Our kids are truly reading, not just learning to the test, but truly learning and lear- and reading. Because what you're doing, especially with a young, when we talk about young children, elementary age children, what we are doing is preparing them to learn for the rest of their lives. Once they leave your classroom as an elementary school teacher, you're preparing them for the next teacher that they're going to have and so on and so on. And when you get someone like myself who decided to get their act together much later in life than when they were much younger in life, thank God for those people that equipped me with the tools to learn. I was able to get myself back on track because I had the skills to learn. Thank God for those teachers. Thank God for those curriculums. That's what helped. Uh, In a moment, Arizona law enforcement gets a huge grant for new officers. We'll talk about that coming up in just one moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, check this out. The Eagles just announced they're returning to the Footprint Center on March 1st, 2023, for the Hotel California 2023 tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair by visiting the contest page at ktar.com. So three Arizona law enforcement agencies get over $3 million in federal grants for new officers. That is good news. The grants to Pima County, Casa Grande, and uh, Glendale are part of $139 million, going to 180 agencies nationwide to hire nearly 1,000 officers. The, uh, The short staffing of police is not... Accidental. Um, the the uh, diminishing of police departments has a lot to do with lack of respect. Now you you know police officers have been dealing with this for a long time. Um, I don't know a lot about policing, but I know more than the average person because some of the agencies have been kind enough to let me behind the curtain just a little. Um, and so I have seen quite a bit because I wanted to do my homework. I have an innate respect for law enforcement because I come from a law enforcement family. My uncles, my cousins were all police officers. My youngest brother is a police officer. He's a sheriff's deputy, a captain with the sheriff's office in my hometown. And, My, uh, my sister in law, his wife is also a deputy sheriff in Lee County, Florida. So I have that background, but I wanted to learn more about policing. I've done ride alongs in Florida with the Highway Patrol. I've ridden with, you know, multiple agencies in Arizona because I wanted to see how policing works from their perspective. And there are a couple of things that you have to realize. Law enforcement officers are no stranger to being, um, treated poorly. Um, In communities, They're, they're used to that. It's not that it's a good thing, but they're used to it. They're used to when you're arresting someone that not everybody goes into custody peacefully. Not everybody gets a traffic ticket and is polite and respectful to an officer or a trooper or a deputy. They they expect that. They know that's going to happen. They're going to arrest belligerent drunks and people that are high and they're going to be in situations they don't want to be in. That's all going to happen. But when you start to diminish respect at the city level, when city governments, when city leadership begins to question your integrity as an agency, not as an individual that's done something wrong, but as an agency, as a profession, it it is it takes its toll. Minneapolis, Minnesota is where all of this started. And I will say this. Um, I don't think any of us saw what happened to George Floyd and di- weren't disgusted by what we saw. Um, I know that I was. That's not the police officers that I defend or that I know. But when they um, – the Fund the Police Movement – started there and they're struggling to recruit new officers. Well, it's because of the diminished respect from the city leadership itself. That doesn't mean that the people that were a part of that despicable act shouldn't have been held accountable. They absolutely should have. Just like in Uvalde, Texas, officers are losing their jobs. The chief lost his job. Those things should happen. Those people should not be in that industry. But to then take that out around, if you look what's happened here in Arizona, the, the Arizona agencies after what happened in Uvalde, Texas, Every single leader in uh, that i 've talked to in in policing about that topic said, "You know what we did? We got our people together, we got our agency together, and we said to all of them, that is not how we will respond in Arizona. That is an unacceptable way to behave and we 've seen it unfortunately we 've seen it in action and when there have been situations and concerns about school settings." And other active shooter situations and possible active shooter situations, we've seen Arizona law enforcement act in a way that we can be proud of. That, uh, that's the stuff that we all should know. But there's another element to this. Uh, In, in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania House Committee releases a scathing report on the Philadelphia DA named Krasner and holds off on recommending impeachment. But they are saying that they are not doing their jobs. There are a couple of stories that I found to be Part of the problem, and yet a little bit humorous. Uh, the first one, um, and, and, and kudos to, uh, producer Julia for finding these. As subway crime soars, the MTA. That's the Transit Authority, pushes to ban certain criminals from the transit system. As subway crimes continue to soar, the Metropolitan Transit Authority is urging judges and district attorneys to help ban certain criminals from the transit system. The chairman said that anyone that uh, to enforce an existing ban on people convicted of sex crimes on the system of assaulting transit employees, which hasn't used up to date and expand the law down the road. So they want to ban criminals from the transit system. Now, the reason why I find that a little bit humorous is that's like a gun ban. You know, until they get caught doing something wrong again, what's going to keep them off the subway? Number one. But number two, if these people are so dangerous that you have to uh, segregate them from society in many ways, why are they on the street? We've talked about sex crimes before. I I am someone that believes in second chances. Uh, I do believe in redemption. But when you talk about the recidivism rate of sex crimes, sex criminals and someone that the courts know are still dangerous to reoffend and so dangerous that when they move into your neighborhood, your neighborhood gets a mailer saying they live in your area, your zip code, your neighborhood. When that happens, you got to start questioning the justice system. If this person is so dangerous that they're. It has to be notification that they live in your area. If this person is so dangerous that you want to ban them from being able to ride the subway, what are they doing out on the streets? That, that's not someone who's been rehabilitated. That is not someone that's, that has been able to change their ways. That's someone that has served a specific sentence for a crime. But now you got to wait till they reoffend and they hurt somebody else before you block them up. This is what's frustrating to law enforcement. Um, there is a new law in, in, uh, in Illinois being proposed where people are saying it's going to cause anarchy. They're talking about it spiraling out of control in Chicago. Um, the Illinois Safety, Accountability, Fairness, and Equity Today, Safe T, um, with the word safe in the letter T act changes multiple parts of the Illinois justice system with provisions like ending cash bail. Limiting how flights uh, determine whether defendants are flight risks and how defendants under electronic monitoring to leave home for 48 hours before they can be charged with escape. Are you kidding me? So this is why people are furious. This is why people are furious. Here's a story. A man who sold a gun. To a British national who used the weapon to take four people hostage in a Texas synagogue in January was sentenced Monday to nearly eight years in prison. The man who had previously been convicted of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon pleaded guilty in June to being a felon in possession of a firearm. So these are the ways. That's a way you punish a crime. If you are someone in the Phoenix Police Department has got a very big push right now in conjunction with federal authorities at the ATF where they are actively trying to find people out there that are selling and dealing in firearms that is the way that you stop people and you uh, send a clear message if you sell somebody a gun if you're a felon that has a gun you're going to prison for a long time go after the offenders not innocent people that own guns But this is part of what policing and the problem is crime and punishment working together in a moment. um, Who is pushing back most against the cancel culture? There is a great story that backs up some of the things I've been saying. We'll get to it coming up in just a couple of moments. and Strong Opinions, The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Anybody really paying attention to the cancel culture in their private life, does anybody really believe in it? Now, there is a big difference between not wanting to be offensive and not offending people and being a part of buying into this cancel culture nonsense that we have found ourselves in. Um, I am someone that have watched, and we have always done this. We have always morphed and changed in the way we say things, we, our vernacular, the the way we phrase things uh, in journalism. They call it a style book, the way you would do things in an orderly fashion so that we're all on the same page with the descriptive terms that we use about situations or people or organizations or, and, um, so this is not something new, but what is new is the cancel culture part of it because there are excuses that are made for people they agree with, and if you do something that they don't like um, – I'll give you a couple of examples. I have said for a long time that it's going to be stand-up comedy that saves – us from the cancel culture, and it saves the First Amendment. Um, uh, specifically, guys like Dave Chappelle or or a uh, uh, Bill Burr, um, Ricky Gervais is another one who was very outspoken against the cancel culture and actually pushes back to be brilliantly funny but cutting at the same time um it was interesting uh last night if you watched and i watched part of the broadcast last night on espn with uh peyton manning and eli his brother which i think is a fascinating way to to to, uh to broadcast a game and they bring guests on the show and one of the guests the first guest they had was former president Obama President Obama was on there and following him was the comedian Bill Burr. And if you've not seen one of the stand-up events and it was Bill Burr in London, he was in London doing a stand-up event. He just crushed Michelle Obama in this bit. That was dirty. Let's let's just get that out there. It was it was not, you know, it was rated R for sure, but um just but it was funny. It was a very funny bit. And President Obama even alluded to it last night in talking about how fun Bill Burr is, but at one point he went after Michelle. It's all in how you take the jokes. But at the same time, we have a segment of our society, and it was um, – The best example of this came, I think, from Dave Chappelle in his stand-up routine because it has been the LBGTQ plus community that has come after him, especially transgender people, want him canceled. And they've been unable to do it, and I think it's finally going away. And the reason why I bring this up, there's a story from The Atlantic that uh, talks about a paradox. It says, uh, is the cancel culture has itself become a threat to free speech? Has become – it absolutely always has been. Again, we have a right to speak in this country. We have a right to speak. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean I should be locked up for saying it. But the cancel culture goes after you, you making a living. When Dave Chappelle cracks jokes about everybody, he cracks jokes about Mike Pence. He cracks jokes about Republicans, Democrats, white people, black people, Asian people. He's married to an Asian woman. He cracks all kinds of jokes about everybody. When he goes after the trans community, they want him canceled. They want him to lose his career. And they've done it to other people where they absolutely lose their careers. And sometimes it's people that said things when the culture was completely different 15 or 20 years ago. I've said this so many times growing up as I did a child in the 70s, and I'm not calling any of this right or wrong. I was born in 1967. In the early 1970s and beyond that, the most popular and funniest television show on the air was a show called All in the Family. And it was about an, an old white guy named Archie Bunker who was a sexist, misogynist, racist, homophobic guy that you loved. Now, it doesn't make sense to a lot of you in this generation. It doesn't make any sense to you. But he called his, told his wife to dummy up, go get me a beer, called her a dingbat. Um, he had Black Neighbors. That spinoff show was called The Jeffersons, and he was racist. He was homophobic. There was actually a transvestite at one point in the show that was a regular on the show. Um, but he ended up being this lovable guy that wanted to do the right thing. He just happened to be a middle-aged white guy in the 1970s. Funniest show on television. Couldn't even air it now. The only way you can air a show like that now is if you animate it. Family guy can say whatever they want, but you couldn't put a show like that on TV. But in the 1970s, what you didn't do was sexualize things. You know, go back a little further and you had the I Love Lucy show. They slept in twin beds. They had a a night table between the beds. Um, You didn't see couples sleeping in the same bed, never mind nudity or overt sexuality. Now that's all there is. The culture is just different now than it was then. You could have never aired any of these TV shows from now in the 1970s. They would have pulled them off the air and arrested people for trying to put that kind of sexuality on television. And now if you tried to air Archie Bunker and the All in the Family show as a primetime television show, they would pull you off the air and cancel you. We have got to stop taking culture, this this idea that we're going to take what was culturally appropriate at one time and we're going to try to – Plug it into where we are now. But the cancel culture that wants to say, okay, that's funny, but that's not funny. You can make fun of these people, but you can't make fun of those people. If you make fun of those people, we are going to go out and we are going to take your career away. We're going to comb through. You want to run for office? We're going to go through every tweet you've ever sent, and we're going to see if we can find something inappropriate. And we're going to eliminate any chance you have at public office. If you're going to host the Emmys, are you going to host the Grammys? You're going to host an award show. We're going to comb through every tweet you've ever sent out, every picture you've ever posted, every Halloween costume you've ever worn. And if you've ever done anything that we deem inappropriate now, we're going to cancel you for what you did 10 or 15 years ago. And stand-up comedy, those are the people that are saying, nope, not paying attention anymore, and they're winning. They're defeating the cancel culture. I say thank God. I'm glad. Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle are coming here to the Valley, and I hope it's sold-out shows. I hope they sell out and they should. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, we speak with Blake Masters, GOP candidate for the United States Senate, and a big event they had last night. Is he closing the gap? We'll talk about it in a moment.